Attention! The movie guys love movies. Any comments about a less talented protege who struggles but fails to live up to the career of Will Smith are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, DJ Jazzy Jeff? Parents just don't understand. <laughs> That's how you start the show. DJ Jazzy Jeff is somewhere going, yes, give me that residual check. Right out of the gates, he's getting shrapnel. Yeah. DJ Jazzy Jeff thrown under the bus Jeez. for no particular reason. He's just home, minding his own business, watching Arrested Development like the rest of us. You give him a lot of credit that he has a home. Oh. Zing. Do you, oh. do you think he hates Jaden Smith? I would. I, oh, yeah. I totally would. And I think, hate Jaden Smith, and I don't, you know. Right? And do you think there's like a DJ Jazzy Jaden out there? <laughs> like his kid doing something? His kid would really hate yeah. Jaden. DJ Jazzy Jaden. a competing movie for this with DJ Jazzy Jeff's kid. Why don't we write that sketch? <laughs> All right, let's write it right now. Before we get the show going, let's just get on that. That's too good a sketch to... Not pursuit. <laughs> All right, welcome to the movie showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and, and sprawling movie guys empire. You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with rants, sketches, previews, characters, jokes, bits, and more. So you can expect that in the next hour as we look at all the newest releases in theaters. But fear not, no spoilers. I am fearless, Paul. And uh, you know we've only seen the trailers like you guys, but let me give you a couple of things here because we've only been in the new setup here at the Admirals Club in Burbank yes. for a couple of weeks now. Our new studio. So let me remind everyone where you can find us. You can catch our show on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and if you'd like to see the show, it's a video podcast too. Uh, you can find us on uh, YouTube and watch us there. Search the Movie Guys or the Movie Showcast and any of those sites and we come right up. And of course, the MovieGuys.net is our permanent home for all of our shenanigans. Not just the showcast, but weekly reviews and articles and various appearances across the radio and internet world. I'm Paul Preston with Karen Volpe, Lee Kais, and Adam Witt. And first up today, we're going to be previewing Kid and Play in After Earth. I, think that's <laughs> I, think that's, I ran into Kid. I've seen the poster, I'm pretty sure. How did you know? Um, uh, it, that's always amazing. You're right. Recognize no, celebrities. No. You're like, hey, it's the guy from House Party. You're right. It might have been Play. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it was the one with the he- with the cone head. Did he still have the cone head? No, he didn't. But oh. uh, I ran, in, ran into him at Barney's Beanery in West Hollywood. Oh, that'll do it. Christopher yeah. Kid Reed that. wrote the theme to uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. Really? There's oh. your factoid dun, dun, of the day. Dun, 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 is that dun, kid? Dun, is that the one I met? Yeah, That's the one I met. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so he's still making scratch. Still out there doing it. Yeah. He's making it happen. He's with two notes. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. You know how many uh, theme songs I've written? Uh, no. None. So hey. he's... Oh, he's, oh my God. I know You were way below Alan Thick. Hey, Defending Chris Reed. You guys are going to love this shit. Here we go. I'm going to throw this down. It's a bad boy. My friend wrote by Menon... Sent his kids to college. Wow. On a dare, somebody said, oh, can you write a theme song with, I think, three notes? Da-da-da. Costanza. <laughs> and he did it, and then it's by Menon. Yes, it's just that easy. Yeah. Wow. But yet, you set out to do it, and you just can't. You just can't. Yeah. It's like watching an airplane movie. I could write that. No. You can't touch <laughs> now that. Now that the Jaws theme has been written, allow me to write it. Da-da. That's it. Right? <laughs> 
Yeah. Just repeat. Just loop that. Repeat. Yeah, repeat. Hey, if it was a Beyonce session, that's all she'd come in and do is just da-na, no, just repeat that. Just right. Right. And that. copy and paste. Well, Rihanna, see, uh, I Rihanna. mentioned After Earth, and all we did was talk about it. Um, <laughs> but we will a bit later. Uh, but the second half of the show is going to be awesome with our special guest, Mike J. Nichols. Yay! We're going to spend Woo-hoo! the whole half hour talking about the 30th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Great. That's Great cool. person to have so on. We're gonna When's that happening? When's the 30th anniversary? Uh, they think that actually the date was the 25th. Oh, it's like We'll now. have Mike tell us all oh, that because not... I'm not the expert. Okay. Yeah. We got a thumbs up that it's the 25th. Oh, yeah, Mike, Mike is here. All right. So, all right. But, but well, later we locked in the him show, in the garage. Later in the so... show, we're going to talk about this. Oh, wait. No, we're not. I can't is wait. Is this a test show? <laughs> <laughs> They're all test shows. Hey, what you got to do is you got to turn the volume up and then you can hear right. it much better. We're talk. Come in close. Because the more you think you see, the easier it'll be to fool you. No, that Morgan. That now you so see me. Exciting. Now you see me. Movie about magic. I love that you add him or... Uh, um, What's it, Alfred the Butler? I can't think of his name offhand. Michael Caine. Michael Caine, who, who are both in this who, yeah. magic yeah. magicians movie. You add them to it, and it's like, oh, this premise actually makes a whole lot of sense. And I, you know, there's nothing ridiculous about this at all. <laughs> but <laughs> like, it just but, all of a sudden, it's instantly. But hang on, if Kid and Play did it, mm, no, it could be a story about an aboriginal. Aboriginal, yes. Aboriginal. Aboriginal, thank Tell you, us. tribe. <laughs> and some people who come in to collect their farts, but you'd be like, Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine, that's going to be a real good movie. <laughs> Aboriginal <laughs> fart collection. There must be sense. some prestigious shit going on. I'm going to that movie. <laughs> wow, he seems pissed. <laughs> The Aboriginal um, Fart Collector. This is going to be the longest show ever. How long have we, we, haven't, sorry, yes. we haven't flipped a bit? Well, let's get to the first bit. <laughs> we haven't bit. even got through the introduction. <laughs> I know. Let's losing, get to the first losing bit. The, we had used to, on, on Toad Hop, we had to come in at an in hour. An hour yeah. now, <laughs> We're we not. And now it's like. Yeah. But let's get to our next uh, segment. A little something called, What Did You See This Week? What? 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 What did you see? What did you see this week? Well, like everybody, we saw Arrested Development. Kids, that was a movie projector with film in it. <laughs> Google it. Google it. It's out there. You know, in your your records. Uh, so, yeah, what did we see this week? Let's do a little roundtable. I passed over seeing Star Trek again. I could have seen it. Uh, I, I was out of town until Tuesday night, and I the first time I had a chance to watch anything, and I passed it up to go home and watch the rest of development. Wait, well, let me be clear though. Not to see Star Trek again, but to s- you passed it no, up again. I still, so haven't, still haven't seen, seen it. it. You're I, that and guy. so there it was. I finally had the chance, like, because, you know, we wrote last night and tonight we're recording, you know. And so I had one night of pop culture and I chose Arrested but Development. But you spent that well. And that was, yeah. mm-hmm. well. I mean, it is Arrested Development, the movie. You know, I, it still is a movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, The Sopranos was a movie, kind of. It's Arrested I mean, it Development, a, the Herald now. Yeah, man, that 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 thing is super impressive. Now I'm not going to talk out of school because I don't know how many episodes. I've only you saw. seen the four episodes. I finally I saw a Ron Howard I, one last night. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I shouldn't even say that. It was great that nobody spoiled that. There's for a me. Ron Howard yeah. one. Shut up. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, that actually, who hasn't seen it? I'm the one. Yeah, <laughs> that is a super impressive return for that show, man. It, it's the because it has such a slow build. Some people I think might see the first episode and go, eh, not for me. L- lacks that. the zip of what it had before until the whole first episode makes sense in episodes two, three, four, five, six. They refer to every episode and every other episode. It's unbelievable. What a great storytelling device. I mean, we all were hoping it would be good, but to like 
create you know this new version of storytelling a genius way that's complete like the the show itself was unlike anything else it was this amazing crazy form of storytelling and here it's not doing that it's doing a whole new thing mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy balls balls big balls i mean the show just gets better and better Oh, I saw a hilarious comedy, Fast and Furious 6, (laughs) um, which didn't have the story structure of Arrested Development. Had a very simple, but to be honest with you, Fast and Furious 6, you know, they took the if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach, and that's, that works. It was called Fast and Furious 6. They weren't trying to fool anybody. They were not. (laughs) This is what you're getting. Yeah, and it's, 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 you know, it's minimal, important dialogue, thin relationships, and then, you know, and then they take that, never mind that shit, here comes Mongo yeah. attitude. And then Mongo comes in. It's this kick-ass action sequence with cars and smashing shit and amazing stunts. Amazing stunts that you see. Justin Lin is, is a good action director in that respect. Like, these stunts pay off in the, when the people are risking their lives to do them. You get to see them up on the screen. You know, they're not being too crazy cut around. At least that's, that's from cool. my memory. That I, is a I, perfect I felt like thing. I took it in. So. Perfect transition to what I saw, which was... From the director of Moulin Rouge, which is completely, you can't see what anybody's doing, so why did they even bother to learn the choreography? But I saw Strictly Ballroom. Yes, we did. Yes. The movie that gave us Baz Luhrmann. Yes, yes. I really liked it. I thought it was good. I could see it. I could see the dancing. I could see the, uh, the little world that he creates. I definitely saw precursors to Moulin Rouge in there. Like the little um, dance studio itself has all these levels and they dance up near some sort of big Coca-Cola sign and stuff. And that was actually kind of neat to see the way they did product placement back in the day when they weren't being completely obvious. It was more subtle and kind of arty. It's kind of cool. Yeah, so if you ever saw one of his later films and went, damn, I wish that dude would just calm down. Go see Strictly Ballroom. Go see Strictly Ballroom. Wish granted. Go see. But uh, at the time, what is it, 92? Even later, like that? that was more like 94? 98, actually. No? Really? I don't no. know if it was that late. Yeah. It was a Miramax movie, so it was a while yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Weinstein Company. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty decent for me, who doesn't necessarily like his sense of humor in his movies. Mm. Uh, this was all sense of humor, mm-hmm. and it still was charming. Yeah. Yeah. And then we saw Mud. Oh, yeah. That was what really is good. Oh. Ma- Matthew McConaughey. Takes his shirt off. Oh, that one. The movie. I think we've pretty much covered that in the film. No, All he right, was so great. I, wanna... what? I did <laughs> see great. something. I saw what? Revenge of the Sith, ah, the third Star Wars movie, which Star I had Wars said earlier, which is actually a, not a bad movie. Now, granted, That's I was awesome. doing laundry, clipping my toenails, and it was on in the background, but I think that movie still has some merit to it. Anytime you do personal hygiene, <laughs> it makes a movie better. There's well, a lot the, of anytime. man could, grooming going on. but That you know. does it. Yeah, we yeah. can take you to the, your word on that, though, because that's how you see most movies. <laughs> From every story you tell me, well, this thing was on in the background. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. I had Robert De Niro in it. And, and let's hope that when you go to an actual Cineplex, you don't do the toenail thing. From well, not I, anymore. No. <laughs> not, not From what I gather, this Marlon Brando is kind of like a fatherly figure to all these people. I don't know. They seem pretty upset when he died. Yeah, they dressed up. So, they dressed up, so I figured I'd leave it on. <laughs> then again, I was trimming my nose hairs, so I wasn't really able to pay attention. But uh, I need mean, a tuxedo. What am I going to turn it off? They went through some trouble. He, he, he bathed. Please. Uh, that's what we saw this week. But uh, with the nasty streak of uneven films recently put out by M. Night Shyamalan, will After Earth be something we see this week? I don't know. No. But we will prepare ourselves and you. Adam, please help me preview the latest effort from Will Smith and his ongoing effort to make us love his children as much as he does. (laughs) 
For every Armageddon, there's a deep impact. For every bug's life, an ants. And so it is with the movie Marketplace's follow-up to last month's Oblivion, starring Tom Cruise. It's another post-apocalyptic sci-fi vanity vehicle after Earth. This movie features Will Smith, who stars alongside human embodiment of his own ego, Jada Pinkett Smith, a creature genetically engineered to contain all of his mother's box office draw and none of his father's charm. <laughs> the plot? Oh, Adam, Adam, contains... did, you, did you say you want to hear the plot? Yeah. I would be more than happy to make it plain to Will Smith fans out there. All right? We're going to do it like this. DJ, yeah, it's time go. to get jiggy. Ooh. Oh, well, you know, I think our listeners actually might want to hear the uh, actual plot of yeah. it. I was just going to... A ship crash lands on Earth one day, but the emergency beacon is a hundred miles away. Dad tells son on this scary trip, you go fight the Earth, I'm gonna wait on the ship. With animals as enemies, what's left to do? A hyperdrama version of We Bought a Zoo. Another Shemelin film don't go as planned, where there's no need to argue, M. Night just don't understand. Word. You're not going to make Adam rap, are you? You think I crossed over? No. Crossed no over that's you know what? I liked that, and I think I don't need to see the movie. Sorry, Adam, Thank you were saying. You. <laughs> yes. For all the suburban listeners out there, <laughs> here also is the plot. <laughs> the movie takes place a thousand years after humans have abandoned Earth after Obama's health care plan left the planet uninhabitable. Mm -hmm. Earth has established Nova Prime, a colony outside our solar system, kept safe by the peacekeeping force, the Ranger Corps, led by Will Smith's militaristic Cypher Rage. Cypher Rage! <laughs> Cypher Rage? I'm pretty sure he was a character in Rock of Ages. Uh, yeah, sure. Nice name, I guess. Uh, I guess a mysterious anger and cryptic pent-up frustration were taken? Anyway, Rage pushes his son to be the best, while failing at his emotional duties as a father. But when their ship is destroyed by an asteroid, killing all aboard except the two most famous, <laughs> the injured Great Santini of 3013 must guide his fuck-up son to an emergency beacon on the other side of a hostile planet. The, this planet, like keeping up with the Kardashians, exists only to destroy humanity. The Smiths wander this unpopulated Earth only to discover Tom Cruise is the only other person alive, and together they reboot Earth as a Scientology <laughs> utopia. Will Smith isn't a Scientologist, is he? Uh, he's been on Oprah a lot. So. Yeah. Well, from the looks of the trailer, this movie seems to be about a father who has little faith in his only son. The not-proud dad metaphorically and literally throws his only begotten to the wolves while he sits back and clucks his tongue and shakes his head in doubting disapproval as his son fights to stay alive while trying to earn his father's love and approval. Kind of sounds like my first and only year in Little League. <laughs> <laughs> if the father-son dynamic in this movie is at all an indication of how these two interact in real life, and why wouldn't it be, then the recent news of Jaden's desire to be emancipated from his parents just might have some legitimacy to it. I think the Smiths are performing one of the most elaborate crossfades in Hollywood history. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith will start acting and performing less. Jaden Pinkett Smith will keep acting and performing more until the son just morphs right into the father without anybody noticing. Uh, I worry about a film where Will Smith doesn't smile once in the trailer. You know, it seems like the uh, father and son are trying to outscowl each other. Also worrying, Will and Jaden may be using dialects. <gasps> it's tough to tell, uh -oh. which is also not a good sign. Naming your character Cypher Rage is like naming your movie Epic. <laughs> Cypher Rage! 
So who would ever direct a movie with a lead character named Cypher Rage? Why, M. Night Shyamalan, of course. You know, when we said this film was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, we might have been letting people in on that for the first time, because they've conveniently left that off of the preview. (laughs) For those of our listeners not old enough to remember when TVs took two people to move, M. Night Shyamalan became the Alfred Hitchcock of the 90s by stringing together several masterpieces of science fiction with Bruce Willis is Dead, Bruce Willis Can't Be Hurt, Aliens Invade Mel Gibson's Religious Quandary, and William Hurt Hates Electricity. (laughs) So then, with the director of The Sixth Sense and The Village at the helm... What's the twist here? Will Smith died in the crash. They were on Mars the whole time. It'll be good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's a twist. It'll be good. That would be a twist. You see, cuz. You know, we often. You see, kids, because he's directed some shitty movies. <laughs> <laughs> God, no shortage of material about that. I was going to say, we often go on far too long about movies that aren't deserving. and That was a lot. Um. We've Can you please tell us the block on what that, that Cypher Rage thing is? Because yeah. it's killing the man's me. Name. And don't play it again. No, <laughs> you don't have to play it. That's the man's name. But what's that drop? Hmm? What's the drop? I, I, it's just, it sounds like a guy from Rock of Ages, so I made a rock and roll oh, Cypher that Rage. That is you? So that yeah. is you? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Play it again. I honestly now thought that was a... Now, now play it again. Celebrity child. No, I'm on to the next me. bit, you sons of bitches. <laughs> That's not me. Put it... All right, here we go. You're welcome, America. You're wow. so stupid. That's Thank you. awesome. And that is the last time oh, you get to use I'm that. I'm stupid or the name is stupid? The name is What name would so that be? So stupid. Yeah. What hmm? name? We have to use that as much as possible, because I don't know when we'll use that again. That's the end of it. That is the end of that. And uh, so is anyone going to go see this? No. Why would I mean, out of the four people here, because people will go and see Will Smith. Yeah, I've got so much more to see. I still got to see Painting Game before I see that. Star Trek. I have to see Star Trek, for Christ's sake. (laughs) For Spock's sake. (laughs) I got free tickets to Gatsby. Probably going to go to that. I thought go you to already it. saw that, didn't no, you? No, he, he reported that. Oh, one. you saw that. And his right. bullshit. Yeah. Cypher <laughs> 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 But I was on such a strictly ballroom high. But it's I'm in gonna 3D. Be, uh, I'm going to be crushed now. <laughs> but it's in 3D, so. I've seen Star Trek. That's how behind the times you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Le- and, and you Star could give Trek a shit. I could give a shit, and I want to report that it's a much better movie than the other J.J. Abrams, if for no other reason than it's got at least 70% lens flare, less lens flare. Yeah. Almost seventy percent. I swear to God, like, we need much, a segment that you. As soon as he starts doing that, it's like Grandpa talks. <laughs> <laughs> just, what you don't know, what lens flare? I'm just saying. I like it I because like, I, I don't like things. I thought it was shooting at me. Turns out it was the lights <laughs> making them crazy lens flares. Lens flares in three D wasn't mean. Wasn't meant to be together. It's against nature, I tells you. We shouldn't even be in space. These people having that adventures. I promise you, people will thank me for that. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you saw that before, Adam. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was actually a much better movie than I thought. All the characters were much more developed. I thought the interaction between. See, I'm not yeah. complaining about Grandpa anything. Grandpa Rage. You know, I thought we were. Now, I thought we were in the nest. Is this usually, not the nest? No, it is. Before, we're not you're in the right. comfort. Not the. Uh, we're not safe here. You're safe. Okay, it's very, very safe. You could say if the safe word is Kyanoskatsi. You say <laughs> that, and we'll leave you alone. Cypher. <laughs> 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 what must it be like to be given a film? 
Like uh, you mean you know, Jaden? Like Will, yeah. I had to weed the garden, Merry and Christmas. all I got was a, a baseball mitt. <laughs> well, that's and nice. I had to pay the last seven dollars to get it. Ten bucks <laughs> says Jaden Smith hasn't weeded the garden. <laughs> You know, Seriously, I hit my. I asked my dad for a, a baseball mitt, and it was like thirty dollars. And and somehow he came to the decision that weeding the garden was only twenty twenty three dollars worth of work. So you better come up with the other seven bucks, kid. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I like your dad. I think that's awesome. You know how I knew when it was time to move out of the house? Uh uh-uh. uh When I came home and my side of the dinner table was pushed up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> This you sit on the floor and you like it. This <laughs> like, sort of is explaining things no. to me now. It's kind of clear. Was your dad named Cypher Rage? <laughs> you're gonna, uh, you're gonna know when your your time here is done because you're gonna come in and your seat's gonna be flipped mm-hmm. upside yeah. down, <laughs> and the little wheels are gonna be spinning. And you'll be like, "Damn it!" <laughs> you'll have some horrible the scene flashback. from the jerk. Put that put that chair away. It's just too damn sad. You know, lean out the window and he's just outside there, still hitchhiking. <laughs> All right, well, listen, uh, with Jaden and Willow Smith being thrust upon us, we are reminded of how goofy celebrity names can be. For more, we go to Karen. Listeners, I'm sure you've noticed, as we have here at the Movie Guys headquarters, that more and more celebrities are naming their children very non-traditional names. From numbers like Erica Badu's son, Seven, to musical instruments like Rachel Griffith's son, Banjo. Long gone are the days of good old Tom, Dick, and Harry. Wait, Harry is an Andy Dick's kid's name? Harry... Harry Dick. (laughs) Nothing? All right, go on. It's comments like that that got us at the movie guys thinking. The only reason you would name your child something so peculiar is, say, Blue Ivy, as in the case of Beyonce and Jay-Z's daughter, whose name they patented, or Moxie Crime Fighter, as in the case of Pendulette's daughter, which I think is very cool, by the way, is because your famous children are just another accessory for you to show off in public in the hopes of drawing attention to yourself. But what good are these living, breathing Louis Vuitton handbags if nobody can remember their names? Or worse yet, can't even tell if it's a child. So, we sent Lee and Adam out onto the streets of Hollywood to test the public's knowledge and the names of celebrity offspring in a little segment we like to call... Celebrity Child or Dot Dot Dot. <laughs> There you go. It's Oops. no cipher rage, but... Celebrity tot? Celebrity child or... Oh, child. Da, da, it was da, da. supposed to be celebrity child or... Oh, well, yeah, you know, it got lost in translation. did it wrong? What, is this not the safe zone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get told no, it we're wrong. No, it isn't. It isn't. Uh, you get made say they did it extra right. You get Thank made you. fun of your opinions. You get made fun of your feelings. You get made... That's the zone we're in. That's good. Absolutely. It's safe. a roast in It's a roast. It's as hot as a roast. Yes, go ahead. Take the shirt off, Sharon. Onward. Oh, do I have to keep reading? Yes, please. I'll cut so this part. we ask random people on the street to tell us whether the words we are giving them to say is the name of a celebrity child or something else. Dot let's, dot dot. Let's take a listen to see what the public had to say. Excuse me, sir. Do you have a do you have a second to come over? And- Talk to us here in the sure. with the movie guys. Right. Okay, great. Uh, and your name, just your first name's fine. Adam. Adam, excellent. And what do you do for a living, Adam? Uh, IT guy. Oh, okay. So you're you're really smart. Okay. Um, you feel like playing a game? We have a little game here. Sure. Okay, sure. great. So Adam, we're gonna play a game called Celebrity Child or Skin Condition. Okay. So I'm gonna give you <laughs> four choices. Only one of them is the child of a celebrity. The other three are skin conditions. So I want you to identify the celebrity child. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. 
abrasion, oral hematoma, athlete's foot, and paxthean. Which one of those, abrasion, oral hematoma, athlete's foot, or paxthean, is actually the name of a celebrity child? Uh, paxthean. Correct! Wow, right out of the gate, we got a winner. Paxton, do you know who he belongs to, or she? I don't know. I have no idea. That is a Jolie Pitt offspring, so congratulations. <laughs> Although I think they do have a cousin named Abrasion. All right, well, thank you, Adam. Thanks for playing. Thank you. Excuse me, uh, sir, do you have a minute real quick? Uh, yeah. And your name? Ron. Great. And the game we're playing is called Celebrity Child or Plumbing Tool. Oh. <laughs> All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to list four things. One of them is a celebrity child. The other three are plumbing tools. I need you to guess which one is the celebrity child. All right? Sounds fairly straightforward. The nice thing is that there's no prizes, so you can't lose. That's one. The first one, aqua pedestal, ball cock, pressure regulator, or pilot inspector. Which one of those is the celebrity child? Let me read those again, Ronnie, because it looks like you're a little confused. Aqua pedestal. Ball cock, pressure regulator, or pilot inspector. Three of those are plumbing tools. One of them is a celebrity child. And they all sound. They all sound like super options. painful. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, tell you, I had to look them up myself. I wasn't sure. I'm gonna go with option number one, which was aqua pedestal. Aqua pedestal. You know what? That feels like it should be, right. but it's actually pilot inspector. Wow. Is the name of Jason Lee's child. So. What? Again, like sorry, I said, pilot. the nice... Yeah, sorry, Pilot. <laughs> like I said, the nice thing is there's nothing to lose or win. So. Really like right. Thanks for playing. Your name? Sheila. Oh, good, you got a girl. Movie guys. So we're playing a little Only game one. here called Celebrity Child or Dog Name. All right? Ah. So here's what we're going to do. Have I lost you already, Sheila? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Sheila, I'm going to give you Was she cute? She five cute. names. Yeah. Good. Four of them are dogs' names. One of them is actually a celebrity's child. Okay, so Shiloh, Zuma, Bluebell, Ocean, and Fido. Can you guess which one is actually a celebrity's child's name? Zuma. Zuma. Oh, sorry. It's actually Fido, which turns out to be Nicole Richie's daughter's name. No. <laughs> Thank you for playing. We appreciate your time. You guys are stupid. The twist there was all of them were except Fido. Ah. <laughs> oh my God, that's. Oh, weird. God, it just is a, shows you the cross-section of America just doesn't know they celebrity are. children. What the hell is <laughs> happening to our country? it also shows you that a lot of people take the bus. <laughs> the same bus. They take that same, same bus. bus. And it almost hits them in every over, interview. Uh, well, we got them right as they were coming oh, off. Yeah. Right at the bus stop. We stood right there. Well, this is why we're here, Paul, because people don't know their celebrity children. No, and, and we're here to provide that service. Well, now service. we know how the people at the truck stop feel. <laughs> Kind of new going in. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get on to the next film. Uh, <laughs> you think we've spent enough time on that? It uh, went. It literally went one too many, didn't it? No, it was good. I liked it. I okay. edited I, that two hours ago. I liked it. We recorded it three hours Seems ago. Seems like we just had a Burt Wonderstone movie in theaters, but no sooner can you say Alakazam than another magic-based movie is playing on the big screen. Alakazam. Lee, let's cover Now You See Me. A bunch of guys in matching suits and well-coiffed hair use misdirection illusion to make a whole bunch of money disappear. No, it's not a documentary about banking in America. Nor is it a film about Verizon's Can You Hear Me Now guy discovering Skype. Now You See Me <laughs> tells the story of the four horsemen, 
an elite group of the world's greatest magicians. This is the magic trick, huh? Illusion, Michael. Mm. Trick is something a whore does for money. <laughs> <laughs> that I'd go see. Now, that's not to be confused with the four magicians, who are a group of the world's most greatest equestrians. Now, the four horsemen thrill audiences with their amazing magic tricks as a distraction while they rob banks and give the money to their audiences, making them the biggest bargain in Vegas, aside from the strip club that lets you give it HPV. <laughs> you could make, make an argument that based on the poster, you could call this movie Seven Psychopaths 2. Let's look at the cast. All right, now, if you need someone to rattle off boring facts, interestingly, go with the best. The Social Network's Jesse Eisenberg leads the Four Horsemen, who are played by Woody Harrelson from Cheers, okay, Zombieland, <laughs> Isla Fisher from IMDb.com, and veteran Mets relief pitcher Dave Franco. No, I'm, I'm, Paul, I'm sorry, I think that's John Franco. Now then who's Dave Franco? Nobody knows. All right. Well, weird that they called this the Horsemen because one of them is a woman. As a movie guy, I just want to say that is weird. <laughs> Michael Caine plays a banker who's none too happy to find he's been robbed oh. and enlists a veteran magician, played by Morgan Freeman, to find the gang of David Copperhoods. Once again, Freeman narrates the shit out of this trailer. <laughs> Freeman is joined by an FBI agent, played by everybody's favorite Hulk, Mark Ruffalo. They try to unravel the grand illusion that they may very well be at the center of. Ooh. The movie is directed by Louis Letier. Did I pronounce that right, Adam? Close enough. Letier. Director of nobody's favorite Hulk movie, but he's gra <laughs> he's grandfathered into awesomeness because he directed The Transporter. Mm -hmm. If the script, acting, producing, editing, photography, production design, and special effects are already great, there's no guy you'd rather have to show up and say, action! <laughs> this movie struggles to give its audience someone to root for. On one side, you have the soulless corporate greed of big banks, and on the other, magicians. <laughs> <laughs> Choosing between... <laughs> Choosing between the likes of Bernie Madoff and Chris Angel means no matter who you root for, you're going to be lied to. <laughs> now, it's fine to redistribute wealth, but showering a bunch of money over an audience of sweaty people with dollar bills is kind of strippy, don't you think? Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Strippy. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if the movie about magicians will have a trick ending. That? Trick ending. <laughs> oh, man, do we have time for one more M. Night Shyamalan joke? <laughs> I guess we've I guess we've already covered afterbirth or whatever the hell it was called. <laughs> it should have been called that. Everybody loves magic, but nobody loves magicians. <laughs> so will this film pull a rabbit out of its hat and and saw the box office in half? Oh Maybe God. if it can make After Earth disappear. Oh. And we already look forward to the sequel. Now you don't. <laughs> <laughs> the David Blaine story. Oh, <laughs> That's you see me. We, we cover the hell out of these movies. We really do. Too they just don't time. deserve it. I mean, you really do learn a lot about that stupid movie. But you gotta say, it's, <laughs> no, it's actually it, the summer cool. movies, there is usually a lot to talk about. It's when we go on and on about a diary of a wimpy kid movie, you just want to kill yourself. When there's one movie out and it's Diary of a Wimpy Kid yeah. 2, and you're like... All right, on this week's movie, guys. Yeah, sorry, folks. Program. Uh, just what to expect when you're expecting this week. Uh, do an hour. Go. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. I'm excited to see this movie. I think it looks good. I do yeah, I like sharp and slick movies. and, you know, uh, heisty. I like the cast. The cast is all cool. I mean, obviously, the cast is really cool. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got what's capital. 
after the Avengers. He oh, does. yeah. He probably walk around being whatever he wants. You know, it'd be great if they really made um, it rain money down in the theaters when we saw it. Ooh, they, like Little Shop of Horrors at the end where they... Yeah, when the, the plants come down, yeah. but instead of just money. Imagine how many of us would get in fistfights. Now there's a poster <laughs> series that promotes this movie. And Adam, you have... Yes, you have noticed so that weird. they have, uh, or do they have, or could they have suggestive titles? No, they do. These are the real ones. Okay. Oh, you these didn't are, make these this Because the, they have the character posters. Oh. Everybody does the character posters now where right, you have right. the individual characters. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, on each of them, so the Jesse Eisenberg one, it says, The Showman, he's great with his hands. Right? All right. right? Get ready. Keep that sound effect warm. Morgan Freeman, the debunker. First of all, ugh. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay, what yeah. is that? Nah. Uh, that sounds a little uncomfortable. Like he, a dirty Sanchez. He's yeah. a debunker. Ass debunking. <laughs> he doesn't miss a trick. Oh. Woody Harrelson, the mentalist. Copyright. He can... <laughs> He can read your every thought. No, it doesn't really work. Yeah. Okay. Isla Fisher, the girl that always gets away. Uh, the slight, he brings the heat. <laughs> the, oh, and this is the best one. This is Mark Ruffalo's. The agent, fighting crime never looks so good. Is that seriously? When did, when did he become could a sex not, symbol? Yeah, could I not hunky. sell the, the shit Avengers. out of... I want to. It would be so great to like have all these pilots, like for like you're trying to sell, and they all have the catchphrase "fighting crime never looks so good," <laughs> and you sold all of them because of that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, despite that, I still want to see this movie. <laughs> fighting crime never looks so. The ad good. campaign oh, couldn't that's deter the you. cheesiest sentence ever. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it is really bad. Why would you say that about him? He's he's great, but he's not like and he's just. Not He's good not looking. Be he's fighting great crime. In he's going to be investigating. Yeah. You know? He's not dreamy. <laughs> Asking questions and yeah. formulating hypotheses never looks so good. <laughs> he always yeah. looks like he's about to start crying, doesn't he? He should just say Mark Smash Ruffalo. never looks so good. Well, that much is true. Right. And, I'd see that. And did you know, Adam, did you know about this? That they're, they may not pay everybody what they think they're worth for the Avengers 2? What? Uh, what? Brought up Mark Ruffalo and, like, well, RDJ makes so much money now. That's yeah. Tony Stark. And then and it's Marvel like, wants we don't to be have super much, cheap. Oh, but. always. Yeah. yeah. And they don't know how much money they got. So Chris Hemsworth made like $5 million for Snow White and the Huntsman, turns around and makes 200000 for the Avengers. He's like, well, we're going to have to make more than that second time out. And so there's all this talk. You can't yeah. recast Thor, can you? Yeah, can who you? cares? Maybe you can. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe you can. As that, long as RDJ is I in mean, town. I mean, talk <laughs> about such greed that, you, that you, you have managed to pull off the most amazing thing ever, you know? You have put this crazy movie together that nobody thought could be done and you brought all these stars together and yes that's going to get extremely expensive they all got super famous because of their Marvel movies and therefore brought billions oh, to, Avengers. to the Avengers it's, yeah. like, it's like they were like the slave robots that went out and did the bidding of the yeah. master I mean it's like Marvel Studios is Doctor Doom in this scenario right <laughs> they create all these little robots and like bring me money and they go out and they make all this money and then they come back and they're like oh together we are mightier and then uh, and then they're like, uh, something. We don't have a lot of money. We, we don't have a lot of money. I just love how instead of talking go. about that other movie about going out and getting money and coming back, you just made it into an Avengers, and I'd rather talk about the Avengers. All right, so screw well, it. Then. Let's course. take a break, which again right. uh, will not feel like a break at all to you folks out there, but we're going to greet our first special guest <gasps> of the night. So exciting. After this. Oh man, are you guys excited? Yeah. Don't I look it. Yeah, their first guest visited us when we were at the Toad Hop Network. 
keeping magic alive out there in the cynical visual world, please welcome to the Admirals Club, the amazing Mono. <laughs> that is exciting. So glad that you're here. And whoa, whoa. There he is. <laughs> there he is. Oh, he makes... Hello, movie guys, and hello, internet world of attentive listeners. As ever, Paul, I've... Uh... I've prepared an introduction card for you to read, if you if you will. No, I, I have it here. I'll be happy to read it. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Get the proper uh, thing going. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> after close to two decades of deafening magic on the radio and recently on audio podcasts, the world's number one radio magician and now an author of the audiobook, Hear How I Did It and How You Can Do It Too, <laughs> a how-to manual on audio auditory trickery, our next guest can be seen on stage for the first time at this weekend's Listen Up charity event at the Mission Viejo Center for the Blind. Please welcome the amazing Mono. Thank you. Thank you. Thank there you, we go. Mono. That's an official entrance. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Paul, there, uh, there should be uh, one more announcement there. One just... Oh. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Here it is. And the amazing Mono will also be performing on the Magic Castle. Whoa! Oh, that is cool. Hey, that is. That's I've great. been there on a Friday that night. Is cool. It's a special club. Yeah, I mean, it's a very. You know, it's a very for those people who they don't, don't just know, let anybody in there. It's very exclusive, very high end uh, club in Los Angeles. It's quite a thing to perform there. Academy right? uh, of the Magical uh, Arts. Uh, Paul, that's uh, that's the Magic Channel. Magic Channel. Oh, the Magic Channel. I see, not the Magic Castle. Yes, okay, I'm sorry. Sirius XM Channel 310, 24 oh. <laughs> 7, Audible Magic, mostly me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't, do you get serious, Adam? I don't. Listen, I have to admit, when uh, we were a bit channel. skeptical last time we had John here because uh, we thought that Radio Magic was some kind of goof, and uh, but it was well, you know, it was magical well, when you were thank here before. You, thank you very much, Paul. I can only hope to follow in the footsteps of the greats before me, like Doctor Decibel, <laughs> the the Resonator, and of course Teller. <laughs> Tell her. That's <laughs> right. Well, I see that once again you've brought your lovely assistant. She's yes. already back here, oh, here. creeping yes. us up. Which is From great. a plane of existence heard only by the hounds of hell comes the fiery femme fatale of fascination and foreboding, Madame Sandler. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Madame Sandler. Uh, honey, uh, hello will suffice. We reserve ta-da for when I amaze with an astounding feat of magic agility. Okay, great. Well, I would like to get right to it if possible. Let's see. Um, or say, let's hear some magic. Thank you. What Listeners, do you okay. take heed. <laughs> Beware. Dark forces are all around us, but I, Ooh. I can harness that power and let you hear magic like you've never heard it before. Wow. That's great. great. And now for this my first treat. trick, pulling a rabbit out of this hat. Okay. Behold the hat. As you can hear, there is nothing inside it. <laughs> But when I reach inside, I do not pull out nothing. No! Aha! Oh! All right! There you go. Hey! Shh, 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 shh. Did you hear that? That was magical. Thank you. Truly, it was. That was great. Amazing Mono. I'm, I'm impressed. Now, for those of you at home listening to this, uh, Mono had a hat uh, with nothing in it uh, from which he pulled a live rabbit. That's. Thank you. Thank you. And now for my <laughs> second trick. I will take on the mystery of the magic rope. Ooh, I love that. I've heard this before. Well, what are you going to do with that? Classic. I've you seen it. Notice, I've actually seen it before. I've never heard it. You will notice that I'm handing uh, right here in one hand, I'm holding one long rope. 
Okay. But gaze upon... Listen to this. <laughs> Keep your focus on the rope. Uh-huh. He is going to town on that thing. Now, several pieces of rope. <laughs> Ta-da! Not yet. Not oh. yet. Not yet. Ouch. Rooty Vooty Zoot! For those of you listening, uh, the amazing Mono cut a rope into many smaller pieces of rope and then... In one fell swoop, he reattached the pieces of the rope together again into one big piece of rope. He's the best. Mm. Yeah. The best radio magician. I've never heard anything like it, quite I, frankly. I, I, right? Never. Now, I should ask you, Mono, have you heard of this film, Now You See Me? We've been talking about it. Yes, as you can imagine, that's a phrase I have never uttered before in my act. <laughs> I believe but it. But some magicians rely on saying that to get the audience's attention. Right, right. Now, the big trick in the film involves a bank vault heist where the magicians seem to teleport themselves into the vault and return with the money and give it to the audience watching their show. That's my trick. What? what? I invented that trick a long time ago, and before I could prophetic, perfect it, the great Mysterio stole it. Oh, I remember that dude, the Mysterio. Yes, he Mysterio. did the shark tank escape thing over the crane with the water. He is the professional nemesis of the amazing Mono. And now he gets a consultant fee on the film for basically showing the movie producers how to do my trick. Okay, well, the great, yes, well, the great uh, Mysterio <laughs> won't be calling in and interrupting you during this appearance. That you can be sure of. You'll hang up on him? Well, actually, we lack the ability to take phone calls in the show. But either way... You're Look, safe. I want to devote the remaining part of the time here that you're with us to that trick, your trick, and hmm. give you your moment yeah. in the oral sun, as it were, oh. so to speak. Yes! Let's do it. Do it, Mono. Let's do it. Do that trick from the movie, the Jesse you, Eisenberg movie. Thank you. You are, you are too kind. Well, take out your wallets and set them on the table. Oh, okay. done and done. And get ready to fill them with all the money I can carry back Ooh, from the yes. Federal Reserve Bank. All right. 950 South Grand Avenue, downtown Los Angeles. Oh, that's nowhere close to here. This is going to be exciting. This. How's he going to do this? Close your eyes, movie guys. Okay, okay. Close my eyes. And prepare for a transportive experience unlike any other. Seriously, close your eyes. Okay. Eyes are closed. And now, now, I will transverse space and time and return with all the riches of a bank vault. All right, for those of you um, watching at home, seems the amazing Mono is carefully taking money out of each of our wallets and putting it in his pockets. Um, huh? Madam Sandler is what? assisting him so he can use both hands. Keep your eyes closed! And Wait. He's, he's now going to my wallet and, and there's basically, oh, basically stealing money. It doesn't sound right, does it, yeah. Adam? He has Close everything. What did he say? And now the two of them closed? are exiting out the side door with Madam Sandler. I feel like I should open my eyes. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, they're gone. Wait, they're oh. coming back again. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Ta-da! And they're gone again. Oh, can, okay. Can I? We'll be right back. When when's it gonna make it rain? Can I open? It's not raining. Welcome back, really, from nothing. 
to uh, do the show. <laughs> we don't really cut away here. You know, maybe one of these days we'll get sponsors, and then that'll be fun. But uh, let's not waste any time and head on over to Karen for her weekly look at the birthdays of the people who make the movies. Karen, before you get Karen. Oh. You, you have a little costume left on your head. Oops. A little, uh... <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> All right. All right, this is very exciting. Ooh, birthdays. We start off our birthday celebration wishing a happy birthday to our friend Jack McBrayer, who Aww. turns 40 but can play anywhere from improviser on Navy Pier to huge friggin' success in movies and television. Hey there. Just goes to show that doing the Dock Street Stomp is a surefire way to movies and television success. <laughs> K-Ace, Dock Street Stomp. First, yeah, you it's get a, your sea legs, then you step, step out, out wide. wide. Now, when, let me tell you something, Adam. Yes. You know what the Dock Street Stomp is because people on Navy Pier did it. Uh, all over uh, Chicago? All over, you know, and it swept Chicago, didn't it? Did it? No, it didn't. Did the Dock Street Stomp. The Dock Street Stomp. We worked you mean with, the Millie? <laughs> no. Millennium? We worked Sadly, with we're going to out Jack. We worked with him at Navy Pier, oh, and we had to do this Dock Street Stomp at 4 o'clock every day on this giant set of stairs, and it was awful and horrible. I have nightmares. Jack McBrayer, personal friend of yours? Absolutely, personal wow. friend. No, he's awesome, but he went on to other things. I and did not I'm do the sweating in my garage. No you have. Anyway, happy birthday, Jack. And uh, <laughs> next up, happy birthday to the offensive lineman, Michael Orr, who turns 27, but can play anywhere from poor, underprivileged youth to Super Bowl champion. Hmm. And as we all know, Michael's life was made into award-winning movie, The Blind Side, starring uh, Ms. Sandra uh, Bullock. So congrats to Michael, and since your movie mom was played by the hot-ass Sandra Bullock, you're the only guy out there who gets a pass when you have sexual fantasies about your mom. As a matter of fact, <laughs> we'll <laughs> always celebrate with you and have some sexual fantasies about her as well. Not a, not a problem at all. No. But he'll forever be known as the guy that that movie was based on. Yeah. Like, that's how they I've heard him described before. <laughs> like, I don't actually know his name, but every time he's mentioned, people go, you know, that guy that Blindside was based on. Blindside guy. Blindside, Blindside guy. guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. Your name's been changed to Blindside, Blindside guy. And last and most definitely least, we'd like to wish a happy birthday <laughs> oh. to Todd Bridges. Aww. Who turns 48 but can play anywhere from Willis Drummond to Willis Drummond. <laughs> As we were doing this, uh, much like the music, I ran out of time when I was trying to write my jokes because it takes me forever to write comedy jokes. So while, instead, I just looked on the internet and found some facts out about Todd Bridges. And I didn't have to bother writing yeah, any jokes. Some true <laughs> story going on there. He is, this is how they described him. Different Strokes child star who survived a troubled life. He made it out. He made it out alive. Wow. <laughs> Isn't he surviving? He like made it to still, his age. I thought, you were gonna, I thought you were going to tell me that while you were writing the Todd Bridges piece that he died. <laughs> <laughs> you like went online to find out that he I died. Mean, what time is it? It could <laughs> have happened. Birthday. Get this. Check. This is right off of IMDb, which is legit. Uh, he appeared as a contestant on the Fox reality show Skating with Celebrities, but was eliminated on the second episode of the show because he was using roller skates instead of ice skates. What? Wait, hold on a second. Isn't that something they would have noticed <laughs> kind of right away? That? Fans were surprised. He made it. <laughs> he, fans were surprised that he even made it past the first episode. We're going to have to go to the tape because I think there's something suspicious <laughs> about Todd Bridges' footwear in this ice skating competition. That tears it. I'm going to watch TV. That I, tears and it. Hang on. There's one more real thing I found. I think he might be wearing roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to look is at the that, tape. Is that a hang glider on him? <laughs> well, no 
thunder. <laughs> You're out, Bridges. Uh, Todd Bridges defeated Vanilla Ice on a 2002 episode of Celebrity Boxing. Oh. So happy birthday, Mr. Bridges and everybody else, and you too, Jack McBrayer. Happy birthday, everybody. Todd Bridges really uh, into uh, celebrity uh, athletics. Uh, Thank you. I don't know who I would have picked in the Vanilla Ice Todd Bridges bout. Right? That's true. I, I don't know who I would have picked based on odds, and I don't know who I would have picked based on who I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla Ice is not going to win that. No. No. I don't think so. He's not an actual tough guy. Like, no. Todd Bridges did crack and stuff. <laughs> right? Todd Bridges used to date like that other head. chick. She was pretty I mean, he badass. He spent some time in the ghetto. Did he date Dana, what's Plato? Her face? Yeah. Who is, by the way, Passed on. dead. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for that uh, charming section of our show. Karen Volpe! Thank you, birthday! We're going to take one last uh, mini break, a breaklet, perhaps, and be back with Mike J. Nichols to talk our asses off about the 30th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. We will be right back. <laughs> It is time for another guest here on the Movie Showcast. Our third guest since we've been broadcasting out of the Admirals Club here in beautiful Burbank, California. Or our second. Jury's out on whether you count the amazing Mono as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Mike J. Nichols is with us. Hey! Ta-da! Not now. Not now, Karen. <clears throat> now, uh, Mike is the best film and video editor I know, as well as the editor of countless TV shows and the film Last Play at Shea. He's also the creator of the comedy web series Two Guys Drinking at a Bar and the notorious Phantom Editor, which we'll get into. Uh, you know how I found out all that information? Wikipedia. <laughs> Mike, you can Wikipedia Mike J. Nichols, which means oh. he's somebody. <laughs> and currently also on Wikipedia, if you will. Are you really? Yes. yes. You, know, you know how I know uh, I need some help? Because on the Wikipedia page for Mike J. Nichols, when they reference Two Guys Drinking at a Bar... You can click on Kevin Farley, who's in the show, and it goes to Kevin Farley's page. When you click on Paul Preston, it goes to Paul Preston's page, the British historian. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a huge fat guy talking about hey, wait history. Wait a minute, Paul Preston's your name. Exactly. Okay. Does it really? Shit about it does. I mean, they might have just made their own link. They said, oh, it must be this Paul Preston. Yeah. <laughs> must it? Like some old dude? old uh, dude from Britain. Dude, on? hook that up so they'll go to the movie guys. Yeah, we can fix that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well I got to make a movie that, guys Mike, page. Make a note. Well, I didn't even know that. You're, you're wow. a Wikipedia-er. Wikipedia. So uh, there's tons to talk about because, first of all, as I mentioned earlier on the show, it is the 30th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. 30th, 30th anniversary of the close of the original trilogy of Star Wars movies. And I remember seeing it in the theater. So I wanted to go around and find out everyone else's memories of first seeing it in the theater. That, I, that might be the first time I saw any movie on opening night. And that was like the most exciting thing ever. I mean, obviously there was this huge buildup and this was like meant everything to us uh, at that age that, you know, this Return of the Jedi, you know, this this uh, great sequel to Star Wars, the final Star Wars movie. And I just remember being so keyed up in that line. Like I just ne I've never felt anything like that since. Like it's just I just remember being so keyed up because I was there and like it was just so packed and I'd never been to an opening night before. And then just as each moment unfolded in Jabba's palace and that stuff. I mean, I just remember being so blown away at that. And, awesome. you know, back then, not awesome. saying back then because you're old joke, but like when that happened, that wasn't common for people to wait in lines like that. I mean, that was really a new thing. Yeah, yeah. they weren't pre-selling tickets mm -hmm. either. I mean, you got there and you, yeah, yeah. And you, you, mean, you bought tickets and you hung out. It was a day. Yeah. The only time, of course, I felt that otherwise was Phantom Menace. Ah, which, yes. Uh, in yeah. McClure Court in Chicago. Oh, yeah. On my birthday. 
Yeah, that's how sorry, we honey. celebrated yeah, it. Yeah, that got kicked today. <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I remember getting sad at the end of Return of the Jedi when I saw it. I was like, I'm never going to see these guys again. I, oh, like- I, I thought you were going to say you were sad because of the fucking Wookiees or the little. One of the one Ewoks? Of the, because of Ewoks. 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 That was a very sad scene. Like, what the fuck's this? When that Ewok dies. <laughs> Grandpa. When they show up. <laughs> that was for you, Karen. All those goddamn Wookiees running around killing Jedis. <laughs> Wookiees killing Jedis. That's all ah, I saw. Wars, Trek, you kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike, you were tied into Star Wars a ton because, well, you're on Wikipedia. So, what are your memories of the. Uh, we got, uh, me and two other guys, we were kids, and we got dropped off at the movie theater really early in the morning to buy tickets. And the kid's mom uh, drank a lot, and she just left us there. And we're there at nine in the morning. We bought tickets. I remember and, you. Yes, and, and and you know, five hundred people probably standing in line to get tickets, and they left. And we were the kids sitting at the door for 13, 14 hours waiting to see the movie that night in Ohio, and, right? No, it was still Illinois. Oh, uh, and the news crew start driving up and down the street, and they're like, "Oh my God, people are in line already!" <laughs> so NPR came. And all the news crew came, and they're like, you guys, you're already in line for this movie. You were the movement. first line sitters? So, yeah, but by accident. So they interviewed us for NPR, and they're like, how many times have you seen this movie? And the guy next to me was so nervous, he's like, like 100. <laughs> <laughs> the byproduct of negligent parenting. <laughs> I saw that movie, that was the first time I saw a movie as many times in the theater as I saw that. I saw it six times in the theater. Mm. The next year I saw Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that many times. Mm. But Jedi was the first. Six nope. times in the theater. Now remember, movies stayed in the movie theater yeah. for a yeah. year yep. at that time. Yep. Like, yeah. how, many, how many years was, was that playing where you were at? Oh, man, I, I don't know. Because I think Star I Wars played until... Empire Strikes Back played. <laughs> yeah, and they did re-releases. I saw Star Wars eight times, but that's because it was released every year until Empire yeah. came out. It was released several times, yeah. Yeah, my hometown, there were two theaters when I was growing up. Then eventually a Cineplex opened after they built a mall. But you'd <laughs> Had follow, to have a place to put it. Yeah, the Oneonta <laughs> Theater, my hometown of Oneonta, New York, would have Star Wars, and then it would go away, but you'd know later on it would show up at the Showcase Cinema, a little smaller theater on the other side of town. So you could kind of see it go there and then make its return after it played for a year at the Oneana Theater. And you'd pay like a dollar fifty in the morning and stay there all day watching it. Did oh you yeah, do that? yeah. Especially if your yeah. friend's mom was drunk, she couldn't yeah, come yeah, back that's, and get that's you. How we got places. <laughs> that's yeah. a funny story that tonight. you told about getting into the movie because we would do that all the time for like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Purple Rain and other R-rated movies. We'd just like have Grandma drop us off. These kids are good enough. They and Grandma <laughs> take a hike. Grandma. Yeah, that's how we saw Blade Runner. The, yeah. the drunk mom drop us off. Goes, yeah, they're old enough, and we went in. We certainly <laughs> were. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's true. Every friend had that one mom that was really good at that. Like we had a friend whose mom. Uh, I don't know if she drank a lot, but she definitely didn't give a shit. So she would <laughs> <laughs> she'd sneak us in in the back of her car. She was so good. Like she would go to the drive and by herself, and then the person would say, "Anybody else in the car?" And she's like, no. And we'd be in the trunk. You get in the trunk? <laughs> Wait a minute. You literally would stay in, literally in the trunk. For drive-ins, right? Yeah, she would pull over before we got to the line. We'd get in the trunk, which was fun. We were at like 10. Because you, you paid per person in the car. Yeah. So you put people in the trunk. That's like. Oh, that's that a is a shout is. out to Holly Hosack's mom. Awesome. <laughs> Who's listening? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, by the way, 
Uh, you mentioned uh, that line. Uh, now, the the yeah, the only thing that can compare to Return of the Jedi, except that that there's obviously much more of our youth and memory to that. But that Phantom Menace thing, that like, did you get there at like five thirty in the morning or whatever? And and people were in line and Phantom everybody Menace. was cooking out, and it was awesome. It was like it was like I don't don't go to a whole lot of concerts. I don't do a whole lot of things like that where like everybody's camped out for some common pop cultural cause. It was but, Lollapalooza for ah, movies. It was Lollapalooza yeah. for Star Wars. It was <laughs> Fantastic! I, yeah. I was working at a small design agency when Phantom Menace came out, and the owner proprietor closed the the shop, and he said, "We're uh, all going to go see." Awesome. So, like Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock, everybody in the office just went down and watched. Phantom yeah, they, Menace. they had an illness that they came up with for everybody that was calling in that day. <laughs> that's that right, there was. And I can't yes. remember what it was Phantam called. Illness. Oh, that's awesome. Midi chlorians. Yeah, that chlorian <laughs> level. Um, that's I, chlamydia, Paul. <laughs> nice. That's a perfect segue to this. Uh, so you guys talk about seeing Star Wars in the theater, and I just wanted to let you know that I never saw it in the theater because my dad. Please say it. Who I love. <laughs> he probably said the same thing. No, my here it said. comes. My dad would say, "You don't need to see that in the theater." It Wait till it gets on TV. <laughs> <laughs> My mom said that for years. Oh, it'll be on TV. It'll be on TV. I never saw it on TV. Carrot, in the I, history of Star Wars, has it ever been, been on, on TV? <laughs> Not until they created Spike, I think. Right? Show and up we don't get cable. cable. And then second thing. And they didn't even show the first yeah. one. <laughs> can, I share this, can I share the second thing? Sure. That's super stupid. So not only did I not see it in the theater, as a matter of fact, I didn't see any of the Star Wars or Return of Jedi or anything in the theater because my family didn't take us to movies. Sad. But uh, they bought us the playing cards and the toys. It was really awesome. fun. I love Princess Leia. I had no awesome. idea what she did. Uh, that was half the fun. Right? So I had all the cards, and I would trade them with other people because I didn't know what was going on. And the only other thing they did is they bought me the soundtrack. Yes, right? So I had a, a cassette tape, oh, yeah. and I would take my cassette tape. I would take it outside, and I would play. Do you have the music? I for did. the Cantina Band. Sweet. And for hours, I would twirl the baton. For those of you at home who don't know that we also do a video portion of this. I can't hear. Uh, no. Karen is uh, twirling a baton and... It says record, right, David? <laughs> Now, Mike, do you know this? Do you, I want you to, to verify this because I remember as a kid, the soundtrack was literally them, the soundtrack. It was them talking. It was no, scenes. No, well, that's it, not the soundtrack. That's, that's the story of Star Wars. Oh, I had that, that was album. I right? played the shit out of that album. If my dad I, had only gotten I me that. I played that album every day when I got home from school. My, my The way I got home was I got home, I put that record on there, and I acted <laughs> out Star Wars in my that room. Was it my was so con- fun. That was my co- concept of a soundtrack. I remember later in life, Hearing about soundtracks, I'm yeah. Like, There's no dialogue on this thing. Where's well, the soundtrack? Well, you know what? That's what confused me when Empire Strikes Back came out because I was like, "Hey, I love the story of Star Wars. Listen to it every day. Let's get the Empire Strikes Back." And you're like, "Well, it's great because it's the music, but this isn't not uh, as fun." Was a, yeah, same oh, sorry, thing. Are we okay? Yes, I'm done now. For, I'm done with yeah. my twirling. sad. I'm done twirling. I tell you. That is, a, that is a good time to point no, out, Lord. as Adam said I should, that we are a visual show, so if you're hearing us on iTunes, you want to tune into what Carolyn was wearing Go to YouTube. <laughs> as Madam Sandler, and now, of course, her fantastic baton. Yeah. Very revealing. There's here. baton twirling. Yes. There's there's magicians you can't see. Let's get back to our guest, though, because <laughs> he brought in, and I don't know if you can see it well, but we'll make sure we put a picture of this up on yeah, our website. Yeah, behind him here. Uh, a Ta-da! Revenge oh, of the Jedi it. poster. Oh, did you? Cool. 
It's a real, Check it's a real out. Revenge of the Jedi poster. It's a, it's a double-sided. It's a one sheet. It's a one yeah, sheet. How'd you get that? Now, uh, this actually, this was printed, I believe, in 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 '82. Uh, that George Lucas had it made for. Yeah, the, right here, '82. Because even they, backstory for anybody they even who doesn't messed know. up. They even messed up the uh, the colors of the lightsabers. Oh on yeah. It. And so somebody had painted this, and they made it. Uh, the, the movie was originally called Revenge of the Jedi. Yeah. And I, I'll just, I'll, I'll name a count. There was a hundred of them that were printed. And they left them in the staff, and they were just going to dye them and, and throw them. They were just they're just going to get rid of them. And uh, so that's the even more valuable version yeah, of the Revenge is, of the, the Jedi the, poster, which is, is rare. This is the yeah. one that the staff, everybody that had worked Whoa. at Lucasfilm, got a, uh, off of a table. And uh, the creativity contest had a little thing saying, if you made something and you turned it in, you could win one of these. And you did. And I did. What did you well, do? Of course he did. I, uh, I made a little video game of Wicket dropping rocks on Stormtroopers' head <laughs> using a... Commodore VIC-20 computer. <laughs> and, the awesome. ne- and the neatest part of that, though, is I sent it in, and they didn't even have the technology to play it. Ah! Uh, but but they were like, well, if you at, did it. At, uh, at, the, at Lucasfilm. And what? so Ben Burt called my house because what? he was oh the God. judge, and he said, there's something wrong with this tape. Like, we found a VIC-20, but we can't get it to, to play. Do you have another version? So I made him another version, and, and I didn't realize it was Ben Burt at first. And so... I sent it to him and he gave me a number and I called back and he goes, yeah, we got a plan. We're playing it right now. This game is hard. <laughs> By the way, for anybody who doesn't know, Ben Burt is the famous uh, yeah. sound designer, the sound designer. Of, the, of all the Star Wars movies. And he, he was called the, the judge. Kids. Created yeah. all those lightsaber sound effects and uh, laser blasts and all that stuff. But, it, like was, but it, it was. It was so low tech. They just would grab people. You produced the movie, right? You're going to uh, judge the uh, drawing contest. So it was everybody that worked on the movie wow. that, that you knew their names from the credits. They were all judges. Those were the days. Yeah. Right, and your name appeared in Bantha Tracks. It appeared in <gasps> Bantha Tracks. I probably have the issue of Bantha Tracks with your name in it. it I have Bantha Tracks at home right now. My parents' home. Oh uh, now, as a hardcore fan, you brought some stuff with you that uh, would be interesting for well, folks to check out. Yeah? Well, in, a, in a conversation, you were saying something uh, about the different versions, and this is what was supposed to be the definitive version, which came out on VHS and Laserdisc. He is holding a giant, uh, double brick, three brick size laser disc, laser you have disc to, collection. You have to, in order to watch Star Wars, you have to pop it out and flip it over, and then pop it out and change discs, discs, and then pop it out and flip it over in order to watch a two-hour movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also had different uh, encoding, uh, so you can have more on less discs, so to speak. But that's a definitive version. And then, why have you bought every version? Well, I think it was one of those things where I started collecting You them. decided to get every version? <laughs> so, you may have noticed we brought Mike in because he's our Star Wars expert yes. on the Return of the Jedi, Jedi anniversary. anniversary. And then there's the special edition. Well, he's holding a plastic crate, for those not watching on YouTube, that <laughs> yes. has every, every single stupid edition that we bitch about Lucas releases. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that we bitch about. Now, I just want to point out something. Uh, last week we had a Star Trek uh, expert, and now we have a Star Wars expert, and I think that Mike gets laid more. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Okay. And I Which can't brings tell us the to the topic of Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> so how many versions of each movie have there been? Then? You know, I, I, I went on uh, Wikipedia today to actually figure out no one actually can explain how many different versions there are because of the little minute changes that appear. This is an amazing document because I did know that there were some changes even before we know the special edition, just the the way each of uh, the original reels was re-released. With changes they between, would go, oh good, they would go back and even in the Star Wars that came out in 1977, the next year they would release a different version where they would remix the audio, 
change different things. Use different takes. But they began to start, every time somebody would get shot with a gun and it would show the uh, explosion, they were like, oh, that's a little too violent. So they would pre, they'd move the edit point around so it seemed less violent. So each year you get a less and less violent version of Star Wars. And so that's even between the that's film between, and video, that's and the film way and TV. before that. Yeah, wow. That's even between the release of '77 and '78. I it think. Was. it oh, was. Oh, really? Yeah, For yeah. The, between the re-release. Yeah, because wow. and, and of course it was originally called Episode One, and they eventually did change it to Episode Four, Five, and Six. They just even have episode. It just said Star Wars. It just said Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Is that how you know it's the good version? It's just Star Wars. That that hasn't existed. It, for... You can't really find that. Yeah. Really. Even the one that's the sort of hidden if movie, you, if you get is it, not the if right you one. get it, it it's not it the original audio mix, it's but the picture is like the 1979, 1980-ish version. Wow. So it's not the original 1977. So it's, they're so combining you guys two versions. Saw the original. Now I don't think that's I've ever shared huge. shared this with you, but I came from Canton, Illinois, and years later, my brother gave me a book for Christmas, which was the the like the making of Star Wars and the special effects, written by Tom Smith who ran ILM during all that time, who was from my hometown. And when we were little kids, we went to this guy's house who uh, was dating the drunk mom. <laughs> and uh, he would be drunk like, hey, mom is our hero. hey, while I go hang out with your mom in the other room, you guys watch these little uh, tapes. And he had uh, a VCR. And his buddy was making this movie out in Hollywood and gave him a copy. And we used to watch a different version of Star Wars on VHS at his house. <laughs> oh, what? my God. What? He was boffing drunk mom? Yeah. Nice. How are you pulling Hanging out with drunk mom. That was the, hey, I'm going to hang out with I'm drunk mom. Out with your, how's your <laughs> drunk mom doing? <laughs> Quote, unquote, hang out with drunk mom. <laughs> How are you pulling this off from Canton? I, we, I have no and, connections. I'm here in L.A. And we would sit and watch this. And then we'd look <laughs> at each other going, there's no way. That's not what we saw. We get, this is different. There are scenes in here and there's little weird Marks and X's and stuff like we oh, shouldn't you have been seeing. Yeah, we saw, we, we saw work prints and stuff. Work prints? There were there were oh, fades Jesus. in it. Though. Oh my god! So we would wow. sit and watch it over and over again. Biggs was in it a lot more than we remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day we we kept going over, and his mom apparently didn't want to get drunk with him anymore. So mm -hmm. we would go over there. We go, hey, where's that tape at? And he goes, ah, I recorded wrestling over the top oh. of it. Here's a great, a great match between Superfly Snooka and Steve Lombardi. Enjoy that. I'm going to go hang out with Drunk Mom for a while. But he said it's cool. It'll be on TV someday. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now let's get back to the movie at hand here, because specifically Return of the Jedi. You're telling me, and this is the first I heard this, just in conversation the other day, you said they started shooting that before the script was That's done. That's right. This, yeah. is the, this is something Lawrence Kasdan would uh, allow? No. He seemed like a pretty thorough guy. No. All right, so what's the deal? That, the release uh, date. Well, that, I, I was, when we were talking about that, I said there was a, a whole George Lucas philosophy thing where he was saying, just make sure it's good on paper, and then you just shoot like average or above average, and you're going to end up with a good movie. And that was his philosophy. And then they started Return of the Jedi without actually having the script finished. And the main plot point was, why does Luke start fighting Darth Vader if he's not going to be a bad guy? And right. somebody on the set kind of just, as I understand it, made it up. <gasps> hey, what if they? What if he says he's going to mess with the sister? Because we've introduced that in the story. They're like, oh, good idea. Let's shoot that. And they were just making stuff up. And, and if you watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, Harrison Ford is going, what if I just say this? <laughs> oh. They'll be like, yeah, that's good. It's funny, man. And they left it. That's awesome. I call him Fuzzball or whatever. Wait, that was probably yeah. the second one. And, when we, and then uh, you know that uh, they showed this at the Egyptian Theater, They, but it's the special edition print, which no one can get a copy of the original Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, or... Return of the Jedi in the original theatrical versions, you can't show them anywhere anymore. And for public screening. Yeah, for public yeah. screening. 
Now, for but let's talk about those for a second because Lee had some questions before this about why they made some changes, um, and they are some you could look. To, are there any you look at and go, yeah, that's probably probably a good idea, or are they all just bad ideas? Because when you look at it as a wide scope, they all just look like bad ideas. But you've picked through all these movies so thoroughly. What do you think? Yeah, the, there was an article that came out in one of the filmmaker magazines with George Lucas on the cover when he first announced what he was doing, and everybody's like, "Oh, that seems cool." We could just, in the computer, composite those things better so we get rid of that matting box around the mm. things that we'd seen so much on the VHS versions. That's a good thing. He'd be like, oh, we'll get rid of that. And I'd be like, oh, narratively, you're going to fix a lot of stuff. But that's not what he did. Uh, I mean, he would even leave stuff screwed up so we could go in and add sound effects and, and left lightsabers that weren't painted so we could add in creatures and general silliness uh, uh, to, the, to the movie. And you've never seen it, right? No. Wait a minute. Uh, it's one thing to I, clean I've it up. I've seen like a cleaned up version, but I haven't seen any of these early versions. Wait, so you've seen the bad ones or the good ones? Uh, the ones that have been tampered we with. We don't even know. <laughs> but it's, yeah. yeah. The, I don't know if they're bad or good. The big sin isn't like putting Jabba back in. The big sin is like lingering on two robots, like screwing around after the land speeder goes past. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, no, no, no. The plot says the land speeder goes past and then we go to the next scene. Now you stop for a second. So like a, a crazy new robot we invented and a crazy new creature we just invented to get in a little argument, you know? Return of the Jedi, colon, fucking off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're fucking off here. The one scene that most impressed or made an impact on me was Mose Eisley and how he completely changed that. Because in the original Star Wars, wasn't Mose Eisley just this barren kind of little outpost? Yeah, it was dumpy. Yeah, and there was almost nothing there. And it, and it became this bustling mecca of... Of trade and commerce. And people and doing goofy shit. I, it it, it well, ruined it for me. It's it interesting you say totally that. totally changed the mood. Because his, his point was, well, I always wanted that to be a bustling yeah. thing. But, you know, we got used to the version where it's just a desert outpost. Like you said, like, no, it's kind of a, like, I've invented a world in which this is a lonely place to be. So now you're making yeah. sure I don't think that, that I don't interpret the art that way. And yeah. I'm no filmmaker, but I've accidentally made films once in a while. And one of the things I've noticed is that Sometimes the greatest things you get in your yeah. film are the result of not having what you need and improvising around the situation. Like all of Jaws. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, Adam and I actually re recently just shot a short where we didn't have a laptop to shoot a scene. And so we ended up taking a, a whole computer into somebody's car and shooting a scene <laughs> because they were supposed to be on their laptop. But that ended up being a much funnier bit. It's funnier to see someone with a whole computer whole in computer their car. Whole computer in their front <laughs> seat. And the only reason you did, oh, great. It's operating out of the cigarette light. Yeah. Right. And the whole point is that out of that adversity, we were able to create this completely different tone and attitude and that's really where I think he failed is that he changed that for us like you said that's what I knew and that's what I grew up with and that was my impression of Mose Eisley yeah so now I'm going to show you yeah you no know. no that's and I think that's that's the art and that's the skill of filmmaking but even that's but that is even as not quite as heinous an idea as changing character intention which you think is a horrible worse thing. yeah as for example a, give me some examples the, the worst is the Empire Strikes Back where Darth Vader tells him his father, and he says, join me, and he just lets go and falls. That's the way it's always been. He chose not to. Uh, but if you watch the very first version of the, the special editions, they add in him screaming all the way down. And surround sound is like, ah. It's not even Mark Hamill's voice. Because they can. Yeah. It's not even Mark Hamill's voice. It's the voice of the guy that plays the Emperor from Return of the Jedi. So what are you suggesting not to that, do that that means because, well, it's that, saying it, that, yeah. Yeah. I was saying that to me because I don't even know if I've seen it just means that he didn't make that choice consciously it's like he slipped yeah. or he fell and now oh. he's afraid no, I, the whole like, thing oh, was so no. 
Oh. It's stronger to say, fuck you, I'm jumping. But what's worse is if each of the versions that came after that, he suddenly realized it was a bad idea, so he took it out. <laughs> well, the well, same way with the Han shooting. They remember. Oh, he okay. went back and changed that? They, they change every different version. He oh. changes the amount of frames. That I didn't the, know he changed I previously, like, changed ideas. You know what I mean? Like, I made a change, now he, I went and changed he, it he back? W- he did change it back. Oh, wow. You know yeah. what? Lucas is kind of like a Star Wars hoarder. Like, he has all this Star Wars, and he doesn't know what to do with it, so he just changes just it a little bit. It piles up in it his piles up, room. and he's like, I need to change my Star Wars. And he gets buried in it, yeah. and he kind of doesn't know what to do. He becomes a <laughs> Shitting in Target bags, keeping it in the closet. <laughs> Every now and then you find a dead cat on Tatooine. But I want to dedicate the, the next part of this uh, of this show Uh-oh. to a character you have close to near and dear to your heart. Very, very much so, yeah. Uh, and that's Lando Calrissian's co-pilot um, by the name of Nine Numb. <laughs> Now, here's what I looked up. It's, you only it, know the name of because of the action figure. That's exactly. Star Wars is the first movie that has that. And the sticker. Yeah. I saw the sticker. It's an interactive yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah it's, it's oh, N- yeah, the sticker on the, the thing. Sticker. It's N-U-N-B, I believe, which is none, right? Not numb with an M. So what's his name? I say nine numb. <laughs> I think everybody yeah, does, regardless of how the fuck it's spelled. Uh, but let me Zuckus. give you an example. Let me give you an example of how this guy signs. How this guy signs. Four L-O-M. Wait, what? What do you say, 4LOM or 4LOM? I'm not going to answer. <laughs> here's here's 9NUM for you. So there's uh, some examples of him uh, saying stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> do people talk to him? No, no. Lando does. No, no, no. The joke here, Karen, is it's a bullshit character. Oh. It's there to be an action figure. But like, I know, it's I sort of so know what R2-D2 is saying. Like, he'll go, rrr, 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 and I go, no. He's the Jar Jar Binks of his time. He's oh. the Jar Jar Binks of the Yet Jedi. somebody had yeah. to play him, and thankfully Mike and all of his uh, memorabilia brought in some rare tape. Now, this is amazing. From the auditions for <gasps> Nine Numb. And we want to play a little bit of the uh, of the audition tape for just finding the character cool. of, of Nine Numb. How you doing? Welcome to the Revenge of the Jedi auditions. We're looking for the role of Nine Nun. All right, uh, go ahead and send in the next. Who do we got? Hello, I'm Cromwell Taggart. I studied under Uta Hagen for four years before joining the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts <laughs> and most recently have played Hamlet on the West End alongside Derek Jacobi, for which I received a Laurence Olivier Award. Outstanding. Go ahead and uh, read the line for us. A little less British dialect if you could the next time. Thank you. All right, who do we have next? Hey, hi. Uh, I'm Ian Bartholomew. Uh, I was Lorenzo Lamas' best man on an episode of Falcon Crest. Uh, I also have uh, three separate under fives on Fantasy Island. And uh, ooh, recently I received my certificate of participation from Dick Van Patten's acting camp. Of the, uh, in Simi Valley? No, no, the one down in Long Beach. Oh, the good one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I was wondering, maybe I could play the part with my shirt off? <laughs> I don't see how that is necessary. It's a puppet, really. Okay. Oh, okay. The voice is what we're going for. So, I'd ask, I'm going to yeah. tell you what, I'm going to read you a line, uh, and then go ahead and you just say the line after after the Lando Cal- okay. Calrazian's Razzin line. That blast came from the Death Star. That thing's operational. Oh, <laughs> Alright, thank you. You sure you don't want my shirt off? Uh, who's next? Hi there! 
My name is Tiffany Michelle, and I just recently was in the national tour of Annie, and I played Pepper, but I also understudied Annie and actually performed it. Right now, you can see me on TV and the Pepsi commercial, and I'm the little okay. cute girl, the one with the pigtails. And also, you can hear my voice every Saturday morning. I am the voice of Starlight. Rainbow Bright's horse? Yes. <laughs> um, do you have huh. any questions or anything? Uh, yes, on the top of page two, how do you pronounce the... Oh, it's a uh, Kudiada. Kudiada. <laughs> I mean, make it your own, you know. Okay, thank Good. you. Don't worry, my friend's down there. He'll have that shield down on time. Kudiada, Kudiada, num, 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 num. Kudiada. Okay, thank you. Oh, I can also play an Ewok. <laughs> now you've grown out of that. Sorry, uh, just send the next in. Thanks. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's next? saying Rodich. Outstanding. Tell you what, I'm going to read you one of these Lando lines, and then you give me your line, all right? How can they be jamming us if they don't know we're coming? That's it. Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. We got our nine none. All right, that's great. So uh, right, bring in the General Maybeans, please. They're next. You're always starting to smell. Not like we're making fucking Zardoz or anything. <laughs> that is some insight. Thank you, Mike, for bringing yeah. us that. I hope you don't get caught with that. That's yeah. some. Yeah. We got to hear, good thing is we got to hear that before George Lucas went in and changed. Yeah. It. Like, <laughs> so that's really what's key. It's like hearing it for the first time. Did you know Nine Nun was a, a figure, an action figure? I did look it up later, but I don't know when that came out. But I I thought it wasn't. Oh. It it's Darth Vader, Lando Calrissian, and 4LOM from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Part of the Star Wars collection of 48 action figures, each sold separately. Now there's a brand new action figure not yet available in stores. It's Nine Numb. You can get Nine Numb free with five proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packages. Offer expires June 15th, 1983. Darth Vader, Lando Calrissian, 4LOM, and other action figures, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. I swear to God, it was there that little go. girl who auditioned for the yeah. thing. That was hey. the same one. That's yeah. how I got mine. That is how I got. That's how I got four L O M. That's how I got four L O M. Admiral Akbar. I love the uh, ones you mailed away for. Yeah. It's, it's and like, you waited six years to get that. What a great <laughs> thing! Yeah. You know, Star Wars was the first interactive movie. You yeah. had uh, figures and stuff, and yeah, and then you sent away for him. That was you the didn't best. even need the movie. I'd like to backtrack uh -oh. real quick before we got into this. Somebody had mentioned the Han shoots first mm -hmm. dynamic. I once and for all, Mr. Nichols, could you explain what's at issue there? Because I've heard this talked about, and it I don't understand it. It, it. It's a problem that he did shoot first, he didn't shoot first. There's a, a camp on one side, on the other. Can you explain this for Grandpa go, real quick? Go for it, and then tell us how you had that first Boba Fett. Well, it's the it's, it's Greedo <laughs> shooting first. Oh well, yeah. So, but, but, well, but what I hear is Han shoots first. That's the that's original. The, that's version. the original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he comes in like Paul is going to say. This is why hey, I asked. So hey, in the first movie, no, Paul, you owe me. You know, I owe you money. You want the money back? And I'll be like, Yeah, I'll get that to you. He pulls his gun out, sets it underneath the table, and just blows him away. That's the way it's been. Yes, yeah. that's what I know. Because yes. he's badass. That's how it is. Ergo, Han shoots first. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then in, in the special edition, he thought that that seemed a little too cruel mm -hmm. for a likable character that you could sell action figures to kids with. So. <laughs> He now made digitally the other guy shoot first, Greedo. Greedo shoots first. And, and so Han is defending from this close. himself. He's defending himself. 
Oh. And then and then ten minutes later, he's flying the Millennium Falcon. Sees a Tie Fighter and is like, "Hey, let's blow that out of the sky." Yeah. Because that's who yeah. he is. So they just blew the whole thing. They're again changing intention and motivation and character just because he wanted to do something PC. So the problem is some people have issue with the fact that it was changed. Yes. Okay. Oh, you know you know one that was backtracked as well was Spielberg replaced oh, the guns yeah. in E.T. With walkie-talkies. And then switched it right back. Like he oh, regretted he that back? immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the version I saw just a couple years after that whole thing but had it returned. Hey, guys, I'm on uh, I'm on Wikipedia right now looking up Nine Numb. <laughs> Were you aware he had a career after Return no. of the Jedi? Oh, I did not. Hey, let me play some clips from his uh, his page here of him and other... Here, I, did you know he was in Swingers? No, <laughs> I, I want to hear I've it. seen that movie. 818. 310. So how long do I wait to call? So two days. Definitely. Two days is like industry standard. <laughs> yeah, well, well, two's enough not to look anxious. Well, how long are you guys going to wait to call your babies? Babies. <laughs> wow, it's just like oh, he's one of the guys. He went uncredited in Scream. Really? Really? Yeah, I don't know if you were aware of that. Oh. Uh. Hello? Ah! What's this? <laughs> Why do you want to know my name? <laughs> 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 that but, guy's got some range. Uh, he right? also, he also, and this is the last one they have. I, I guess he stopped. Must have stopped somewhere. Uh, yeah, after uh, we got into the '90s. But back in the '80s, he was also in Say Anything. Oh, were you aware of that? So Lloyd, you graduated Lakewood, right? What are you gonna do now? Yeah, Lloyd. What are your plans for the future? Seriously, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is fantastic. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, George Lucas, he finds talent. He knows it when he sees it. Actually, I should give full credit to Kip Sang Rotich was the name of the dude who did the voice. Mike Quinn did the puppeteering work, and Richard Bonehill was the suit player. Respectively, it only, the, uh, it only took three people. It only took three people. A guy in there moving around like this, someone else moving the mouth up and down, and Wait, a guy, three, you know, days later or weeks before, going three, three times the people at Comic Con to to sell sign autographs, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Those, you can get all three on one. Uh, you know, I think Mike ten. Quinn doesn't show up at Monster Palooza or whatever. <laughs> and go, yeah, it's nine numb. I'll sign that shit. Twenty bucks. I mean, there's sixty bucks right there for the three of these guys, just for nine none. But um, all right, well, we got a big finale here we want to go out on. Unless you got any more of the crazy stories you want to tell us? Oh, no? Yeah. You, uh, anything? No. I have one thing I want to say because you were the Phantom Editor. Oh, we never even really got into that as much. Please yeah. explain for that. For anybody who oh, doesn't know. Well, for Lee, can we explain it? For Grandpa Kai. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was a... Uh, our, our guest tonight provided the greatest sigh of relief following the Phantom Menace. <laughs> because, <laughs> sigh of relief. <laughs> sigh of relief. The Phantom the, Sigh of Relief. The Phantom Menace was this movie you wanted to like more than you could, yeah. or, or, or want to like more than you can. Uh, and so, oh yeah, go ahead. And, and so, how did you solve the problem? The, <laughs> the well, the idea was that I moved here, you know, and it's just a VHS tape, and um, <clears throat> losing my voice. 
And it was uh, 40, $49 if you wanted to buy it when it came out. And it was so popular, it was selling for wow. 99 cents a few months later. <laughs> so I bought that for 99 cents at Record Town and just set with a uh, home computer editing system. And as an exercise, started taking little pieces and re-editing it the way George Lucas that we know of would have made those movies. No, wait, American I think graffiti you, George Lucas. <laughs> Mike had once told me that George Lucas kind of had a recipe for how he thought a movie should be made and had really strict guidelines. Hmm. And you just followed his own guidelines, his, which he didn't do, right? Yeah, his philosophies that you had read about. And, and he, also used to, um, he also used to re-edit other guys' movies. Uh, he would take a work print of him and he would cut him and say, hey, uh, Paul, your movie, it's really good, but I think you should do this with it. And they would project him for him. And the, he started it. And so I... Just kind of thought, well, he'll think this is cool, but he did it. <laughs> <laughs> did you get a letter or a? Well, no, it, well at first g- it would be like I give it to somebody, and they just took it and you know showed their friends, and yeah. they started having parties in Hollywood where people would go and watch this. And then I started getting emails from strangers saying, "Hey, I saw it at this guy's party," and then I got one from New Zealand, and I realized it was going all over the place. And then months later, it got on the internet, and then he uh, he heard about it in the MTV Awards. He asked, "Oh yeah, I've heard about it. I really want to see it." And that's when it got really big. Oh. So, so has he seen it? And this was before Twitter and Facebook and all that. Yeah. So it would have been huge today. But that's that's unknown. I mean, they sent him a copy. It came from me. It went to him. They asked me to write a letter to him, and I did. They sent it to him, and uh, the reporter said to me, all I know is that uh, Lucasfilm, they made VHS copies of what you sent so everybody could take it home and watch it. The next day he came in, and they said, hey, what would what, you think of it? And people were like, it's pretty good. <gasps> and he went, oh, Yeah. Copyright infringement, like it made a whole big deal. Wow. Yeah. So, so did you get a letter? Did you get some guys never, in some suits following only, you home? Or? I was only contacted. Cars driving slowly by your house. Stormtroopers at the door. Yeah. That would be so great. Oh, that would be so awesome. no, I, I'm I'm confused. So nothing ever came of it. Nothing. It, I guess the idea was there were other things going on with clear play, and uh, I had mentioned this to you about um, they were re-editing movies to make them uh, G and PG from R-rated movies. Yeah. And For Utah. Yeah. Like Titanic and stuff, cutting out all that stuff. And so you would rent Titanic, but you would get the G version of it. And the directors... Walmart does that too. Yeah, and the the different directors, ones that I'm very inspired by, were all sitting together in a room saying, we don't like this because people think we're doing this. It doesn't Uh. say at the beginning that this is an edited version of the film. And so whenever they have those press releases, they just kept putting my name and the Phantom Edit in there as though this is the culprit behind this. And I, it was, yeah, it was terrible to read all that stuff. Now, have you ever gone back with modern technology and and made this version again with, you know, studio quality? No. No? Only with the DVD. And that was so I could put a commentary on it and explain. People go, hey, why'd you do this? Or what's different? And I did that, and then that's it. I don't revisit it. So do you have a master copy of this somewhere? Sort of, yeah. We're going to get the special edition where you change all the things you changed. That would be a great (laughs) idea. Oh, that would be funny. (laughs) The 17 versions of Mike Nichols. He he pulls out another container just full of all his revisions. We know it's that idea that if you could go back and look at your yearbook uh, and redo the the outfit and the hair that you're doing, it's not really a representation of what you were looking like then. It's just... You're redoing it now. And I mean, like, I, that's kind of what happened at that time. I'll leave it that way. You what, just made me very depressed. My picture was horrible. What Lucas should have done was just looked at all those old movies and say, I'd like to change those. So instead, I'm going to make a great movie right now. Right. And he never did that. He never like made, he never went out and made another great movie. You know, yeah. you just want to see him. It's like, forget all the Star Wars. Forget all the everything. Just go direct some great movie. Or fail at it, or you know, try at least. It would be cool if he would do that. Yeah. And right now he's doing that museum thing, which I do think is neat. He What's has that? a collection. He's, he has lots of um, 
It's in San Francisco. He owns lots of Norman Rockwell uh, paintings, oh. the originals, and uh, a collection of things like, to him, here's a record, kids. Do, do you want to come and see it and touch it in person? He has a museum where you can go through and look at all this stuff that he says he feels is being lost. Oh, hmm. wow. And they're petitioning for the San Francisco to give him the land in order to... He could pay for it. He just They just need to give him permission to put a museum on it. Do you think Nine Num will be in there? Nine Num Museum, yeah. Do you think his name is ever kicked around for anything, though? Like, hey, we're going to make Ender's Game. We should give it to George Lucas, see if he wants to take a swing at it. Do you think he, like, re- returns down stuff? Or does he just never make anything? That's a really and good point. And it kind of is just kind his of a own. victim of his own success. He goes, to, he goes out to a project. Did they, never, did they ever come to him? Yeah, Oprah weird. went to his ranch. Thank you, honey. Now... I would like to say, <laughs> is he a Scientologist? That's what I was getting at. <laughs> Brought it back around. I'm just uh, <laughs> now I would like to say one thing about uh, one last thing about the, the Phantom Menace because yeah. the Phantom Menace is responsible for I think the most exhilarating moment I've felt. Like that one of those moments of exhilaration where all your hairs stand up on your neck and you're you're and you just like feel kind of uh, uber alive. And that moment was now you, you got to go back to a time before we knew that the Phantom Menace was a disappointment. Right. right. So it was all lead up. And it was that morning we just talked about and uh, all of my friends and everybody. And we're in the theater and, you know, we're in the theater an hour ahead of time. And everybody's got their lightsabers and everybody's. I mean, it is a party. There's the Lollapalooza <laughs> of Star Wars. Yeah. And so we are there and we are as excited as you can get since Return of the Jedi, since the opening night of that, uh, to see this movie. And it's Star Wars. And it was something that was going to go away forever in 83 it was gone forever. Mm-hmm. They were never going to make another one of those. That's why I was sad. And they made the Timothy Zahn books, and everybody goes, these are going to be the new movies. And then they didn't make movies for a long time, and those books went away, and they made other books and the crappy books. And so Star Wars was gone. And then finally one day you heard he literally was shooting a new Star Wars. Impossible to believe. Don't even buy it. Here's photos. Don't buy it. I don't <laughs> believe it. I've spent so much time having no Star Wars in my life and knowing that's never going to happen again, right? This is just my perspective as a Star Wars fan. And then they showed that trailer on Entertainment tonight and holy shit it was real it existed i mean that was exhilarating in itself so then you get to i remember doing a review of that i reviewed the trailer oh, i remember yeah yeah. that movie was extremely exhilarating but it was nothing c- to compare to that moment at 9 a.m or whatever when after all this and everybody's in the theater and now everyone is buzzed and has to get quiet and, and 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 there's trailers and we're all excited in trailers and then it comes to that moment where it says Lucasfilm it actually says on the screen Lucasfilm limited and everybody has to get quiet i mean everyone cheers that part and then i had my tape recorder on me at the time and here's what you heard so everybody cheers Lucasfilm limited yes yes it's actually here it's actually here and then everybody knows to get quiet we have got to get quiet in time for the Star Wars crash. And you hear the theater go, ah, I'm so excited. And then you hear all these voices go, shh, shh, shh. And then dead silence, this extremely excited crowd, dead silence for a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And there's, yeah, everybody wants to get all excited, but they, and this, the electricity dies down to this like quiet. And then, and you should hear this theater. Like we planned it. (laughs) As if we planned that. Wow.
I agree with you. On I that, was excited though. to tell that story because I got myself all excited while telling it. But that ex- that exhilarating moment when Star Wars came on the screen for the first time in how long, and it was real, and we were all there, and we were all so excited. That was like I, I don't yeah. what what's what can ever compare to that? Yeah, that's you know? the greatest. J.J. Abrams movie. I'll be pretty excited, but that. Yeah. There's just still no approaching that ever will again. And yeah, the movie was disappointing. And there'll be no River. 20th Century Fox logo at the beginning. Oh, oh, oh just Lucasfilm straight oh, up. I don't know. Or Disney. Don't know. Ooh, uh, what would Get the little Tinkerbell flying I across the no idea where it's going to be. Mm. Touchdown. It'll be a, probably a knockoff of the 20th It'll probably century. be nothing. It's my thought. We I bet you there's some sort of contractual thing. It's like, no, Lucasfilm. And that's all you get to put there. Wow. 20th Century Fox didn't have any sort of... Deal made so, know. like, even though you sell, we're even still that in score there. goes right into the Star oh, yeah. Wars music. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Crazy. What if they have to buy the rights to the 20th Century Fox score so that they can have that before the Star right. Wars? Disney, they'll pay it. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, speaking of music, uh, let's let's go out with the uh, with a great song from Return of the Jedi. Oh, oh I don't know. This. I'm going to hand out lyric sheets now, for everybody. Now you're, now you're making the case for the special editions because yeah. this yeah, probably to, doesn't really need to be heard. Oh, I'll share. Uh, oh yeah, the, this was cut out of the this, this special edition, and we're gonna we're gonna take you home with yeah, the, they turned it the into Ewok Enya. song, the Ewok song from the end of Return. Is of this the how Jedi. you spent your afternoon? Here, let me share. Writing. This. A- Did you type this out? Is this written somewhere? That's, well, the internet. Wait, oh, find there's that the, English the English version. English. You can find that anywhere on the web. Wait. Sing the English version yes, if you like. I've never seen the English version. I don't know. Paul, you do it. It's not karaoke, so it's sing along with the Ewok. Thank God. Oh, this English version is stupid. Oh, wait, are we on? No, I don't think it so. Happy Manichi, Gratic Fling, oh ha! Yawap! Echop, Yawap! Let's go, Dick. Hato, Pito Pichi, Gratic Fling, oh ha! Yawap! That's ridiculous! Echop, Yawap! Hato, Pito Pichi, Gratic Fling, oh ha! Ladies and gentlemen, we are the movie guys. Follow us on Twitter. Facebook.com slash the movie guys. I can't concentrate. Follow us on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Vine, Instagram, Google Plus, LinkedIn, all that shit. Whatever the fuck it's tiring to follow. Thanks to Mike J. Nichols, David Beach, and of course Steve Schultz, who's always behind the scenes with great writing. It's starting to rain. It's starting to rain, dollars. And remember, you can always find us at themovieguys.net. Thanks for listening. You know, this is a kind of like the real love, honey. Celebrate the love.